we all get stuck in what we should do or what we should have done. The word should can inspire us and it can inhibit us. It can get us moving and it can hold us back. Why is it so hard to move past complacency and get inspired to build the fulfilling future that we want? You are listening to Should Theory. Let's talk it out. Stories, interviews, and more to inform and inspire you towards building the future that you want. Get motivated, figure out how you want to shift, and then get your shift together. I'm Tara Grebe. Let's do this with the Should Theory. idea that I've had for a few weeks as I've been working on building more and more episodes of the should theory but this podcast was built originally around the idea that we are limited by the shoulds that keep us complacent or keep us afraid of reaching out and branching out in a way that goes against the grain and I thought that it would be an important episode, but also a refreshing episode if Kelsey and I talked about those shoulds, those limitations, those fears that exist. So for a little bit of background, I am 47 and Kelsey is pretty close to 19 years old and uh, about to go off to her freshman year of college uh, at University of Maine. And she and I have had a relationship that I would say is pretty close. Would you say so, Cal? I could agree with that. And we talk about all the things. And um, in my world as a educational leader uh, and dealing with parents and kids, the best advice that I give to other parents is that they need to build a relationship with their child where they can have open conversations about anything. Nothing is off limits. However, in having that open forum, there also has to be the understanding on the part of the parent that you may and probably will hear some things that you don't like. I think that's important and I think that it's uh, part of, of a healthy relationship as long as it's coupled with high expectations and clear communication so that as you're raising your child, they know what you expect from them as far as achievement, effort, how they are as a human being, but then you open that door so that you can talk about things as they come along and as they happen. So that for me lays the foundation of our conversation today. And really what I thought would be interesting about this conversation would be Kelsey's and my perspectives, which I'm assuming will be slightly different, but in some places perhaps the same, on expectations, doing things, quitting, deciding when it's time to stop doing things. So, all right, so I'm going to start a little bit with my background, which I've shared a little bit, but I'll share some more for these purposes. So I grew up always wanting to be a dancer. There was nothing I wanted to be more than a dancer. 
as a kid. And if there was a talent show, I was in it. If there was some sort of a (coughs) show, competition, whatever, sign me up. And that was my dream. And as I got closer to, you know, going out into the world, my 17 and 18 year old self was by no means the feisty, outspoken person that I am as a 47 year old. And it took 30 years to build this, whatever you want to call that I have at this point. And so going off to college and starting in the general track of take a little bit of everything, you know, when it, when it came time to really streamline and, and do things, the pushback I got from my parents was one that was of concern, Side disclosure, I'm only five feet tall. And I think when I was 17, I might've looked 12. And, you know, their fear was that I would be a waitress the rest of my life, that it was not reliable, that it was, you know, a thousand people vying for every job. Interesting disclosure that my mom went to the high school of performing arts, but ended up in education. And so this was this was their concern and non-feisty 17 18 19 year old me said okay and changed my major to elementary ed and the rest is history so i try to uh, as a mom now encourage kelsey and and my son peyton to be and do whatever their heart desires whatever their imagination calls them to be And now at 47, I am working on forging my path in a direction that I decide as opposed to a direction that was suggested that I was too weak-minded or too timid to say, no, I want to try this first or no, I want to do something else. And so I have tried to, for Kelsey, certainly as as a woman and, you know, for my son, encourage their exploration. Uh, So that's my early childhood story. Kel, why don't you talk about, I don't know, your perspective on anything that I just said or your 18-ish years, any story that you want to share? Well, I think of how you uh, began in dance. And I think that a lot of who I am and what I've become is because I also started in dance. Mm -hmm. And I think that I started in dance because of your love for it and for your mom, my Grammy's love for it. And so from when I was, what, two mm-hmm. till probably 12, which feels so young, mm-hmm. but that was like 10 years, mm-hmm. I was doing dance and pretty competitively and for a lot of time. And I think that that kind of started with, like I said, your love for it. And so I think that your influence was a huge part of that. And I remember sitting down with you and deciding I, d- I don't want to do this anymore. There's other things that I am choosing to love. Right. So at the time it was soccer and you had that conversation with me where it was, if it's not making you happy, don't do it to make me happy. Don't do it to make Grammy happy. If it's time for you to quit, it's time for you to move on to things that are going to make you grow and happy. And so that's when I think I've got into, you know, other sports, which as I got older, like my whole life sort of revolved around sports and mm those successes and when I chose to do soccer over dance that brought me to another love which became track and field which became now what I'm doing in college and that I think all those experiences that you allowed me to grow into definitely 
influenced who I am. Do you think, you know, in your generation, in this day and age, do you, how do you feel about what options are out there for you, pathways, you know, opportunities? I would say, ironically, that it's the most over and underwhelming thing. Um, overwhelming because there's so many options and opportunities and almost you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Underwhelming that you can do almost anything, but that doesn't mean you're going to be the best at it or that it's going to be something that can support you if you want to do it for the rest of your life or underwhelming that not anything is promised anymore. Mm. Um, Yeah. I think that my childhood versus your childhood is that for you – I think going to college assured you a job and it meant that you were going to make enough money and it was something that was, you know, promised. And retirement package benefits. That was, that was the path that, that certainly my mom and, and my dad wanted to push me toward because they felt 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago, 50 years ago, I think families in general, the goal was to get some sort of an income that you could count on so that you could support your family. Certainly, there are plenty of careers that don't guarantee retirement packages or benefits or anything like that. And so to get into some sort of a track that had that, in their view, was success. And their view was also, you you take that path, you, you do it for the time you're supposed to do it. And then when you're done, which is generally 30 years, then you can go do the things that you enjoy, the hobbies that you've created Mm -hmm. or or those side things. That whole concept currently makes my skin crawl. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why I think that, you know, like I said, it's almost overwhelming now because not like going to college now does not assure you a job whatsoever. No, It almost puts you into the pool of people like okay you're just like everyone else now and I think that's something that's changing as well as that versus when you were my age is that people don't want to just have a job where it gets them to the point in their life where they can do what they want and be happy I think nowadays everybody wants to do exactly what they want to do to be happy right now not Mm -hmm. when they retire yeah it's almost I know at least a lot of my friends and I talk about this where it's like this time in our life is where we're going to be the most free, I guess you can say, and almost like this is where we can choose our paths. So so it's like, why would you wait till you're retired to do everything you want to do? Why not do it now? Do you feel scared about your future or pressured into? A hundred percent. I mean, I'm thinking about already, what am I going to do in grad school that's going to assure me more money than what I think I can do now? What's going to get me to be able to live comfortably where I don't have to pick up a side job at night? And what happens just because I'm going to college to, you know, be work with animals doesn't mean I'm going to get a job. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean I can support myself. It doesn't mean I can take a day off to do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I stress about constantly. And then that's almost terrifies you down to the core because it's like, wow, I'm going to college for four years at the moment. Who knows if I'm going to need to go for more and who knows if that promises anything. And I think that that's stressful because Mm. I don't have a option that's not college at the moment, you know? Right. Well, and and I would say that's where, you know, you and your brother are different. So Peyton, um, his passion is fly fishing. And he's going to college because he wants to know more about aquatics and fisheries and so on and so forth. But 
he would be just as happy living in a van with a bed in it and a little cook stove and traveling the countryside and just making enough money to do what he needs to do the next day and have enough set aside so that if there should be a problem, you know, he can pay for whatever he needs to pay for. He has that, he's had that passion his whole life. And and I don't see him feeling as pressured. I don't want to say for success because he's very successful and he's doing very well in college and, you know, out in the fly fishing industry, certainly he's well known, but I just don't see him having that same, I don't know if I want to call it anxiety that I have, that I see you have about choices that we make and what will people think if. So let's talk about that a little bit because it's funny how 29 years separate you and I, and yet there are some things that have not changed, uh, which is that overall fear, have it more than others, of judgment, of failure, of not being good enough for whoever's standards, be it your own standards, you know, for you, what if it's my standards or for me, it was my mom's standards. So, you know, how do you feel about that? Well, I kind of have two different sides on it. I saw this thing on some form of social media and it was like the first thing that you think is what you truly, your instinct says to think. Mm -hmm. The second thing that you think is what you have come to think, if that makes sense. So the first thing that I think when I feel as though I might be judged or what people think is, would my, what would my mom think here? Mm -hmm. Or what would people say in this way? Mm -hmm. The second thing is that I think of is almost why do I care? Yeah. And if it's helping me or if it makes me happy, then why do I care? So it's kind of those two different things. I think it's definitely just your value that you place on everybody else's opinion and anybody else's view. If it's something you want to do, that's all that matters in the end, as long as it's not harming anybody else. But uh, You know, it's hard though, because you say that, and yet, you know, I think you and I both have that gene, that competitive gene of, you know, I want to be the top in my game, whatever game I'm working on right now, right? I I want to have the best podcast. I want to be the best school principal. I want to be the best mom. I want you, I know, from my perspective, you want to be the best athlete, you want to be the best student. And, and, you know, certainly you with hard work achieve those things, but it comes at a price. I think almost, almost unfortunately, to be honest, it's probably one of the best traits I have, especially because I think it comes from both parents, not just you, yeah. that I am so competitive, almost down to the core, and truly to, to the core, where I have to be successful in everything I do back to the college thing that we were just talking about, where I'm yeah. like, if I'm not successful, that's not okay. Where, What is success, you know? Or like back to how we were talking about our backstories. Like I think that the fact that I started with such competitive things from age two and have been doing such competitive things where – losing is losing and winning is winning and there is a right and a wrong and you know I think that that definitely engraves your thought process as well and I think that you kind of grew up doing similar things so I think that you have that so I think it's almost engraved in us that competitiveness and I think that we both push ourselves really hard and are very hard on ourselves so I think that both of us have that similarity where it's like we have to be successful but in the end the word beauty success is your own definition yeah you know like if you if you're happy then isn't that successful 
Hey, it's Tara. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. But I have a question for you. How do you handle adversity? Challenges? Self-doubt? about setbacks? Yeah, same with me. That is why I created my new course called Overcoming Obstacles. It helps you build grit, resilience, determination, and find a way to work through those challenges without wanting to quit towards that goal that you're working for. And here's the best part. It is a completely independent, self-paced course. Four modules, 20 lessons, and extra worksheets and affirmations to help you along the way. Do it in your way, at your pace, whenever you want, and however you want. Go to www.terragreeve.com or find the link in the show notes learn more about my program, and get started overcoming those obstacles so you can move closer to that goal you've set for yourself. Now, let's get back to this episode. Yes, (laughs) it is. And that's what I've, it makes me happy to hear you say that because that's what I've been trying to teach you to be and to feel and to believe. But on the other hand, if I'm being completely transparent, that's not what I live. Right. And I think that that's, Something that you've taught me, at least in the last four years of my life, I can remember is, well, side side disclosure, the best part of you becoming more feisty in your days now, as opposed to always, is that in your growth of this new you, Mm -hmm. you get to teach myself and Peyton these things. And so we get to grow with the perks of your I guess how you call this, like feistiness. I mean, you 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 raised us, right? You you raised us to be independent, and you know all these things, and we so we get the perks of your new self. So you you say that you haven't been living how we were just mentioning, but to be honest, I think you almost are. I mean, this now, right now, and and in the future, I think it's hard because I think you know you look at, I think when when you look at your own childhood you look at what you loved and what are the best memories and moments and then you also look at those moments where you feel like god if I could have just had something different or this was really missing for me or this really messed me up Grammy was amazing on many levels however there was a belief of don't embarrass us don't get a bad score on something, don't do an activity or make a choice that will poorly on on her <laughs> or, you know, us. For a long time, it was just she and I living in the house and, and she, it was hard. It was hard for a long time and she, you know, her struggles with yeah. alcohol and so, so when I look back and I look at the mom I try to be the mom I wish I had, and that's not to say that there's things about my youth that were, you know, it was not a terrible life. I didn't really want for anything. So I try to turn around and parent you in a way that I wanted to be parented, and yet there are moments where I have epic fails. Well, I think that that's not. I think that there are no flaws in your parenting because parenting can't really be flawed. It's just you know, you. Oh, it can. You can, you can <laughs> listen. I mean, you can yeah. screw this up. I mean, I mean that as in, it's everybody else has a different view on it. So I mean that, like, you what you might see as like, damn, that was a flaw. Other people are like, wow, that was a very successful take. And I think that something that through you raising me that I've noticed, especially as I gotten older, is like you raised me the way you wish you were raised, but you raised me 
and I was, I mean, I was a kid, so let's, let's say I was new. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a fresh soul. I'm growing. I'm becoming something as I grow. So the way you raised me, I'm not going to turn out the way you turned out because you were raised differently. Right. So I think that to quote your flaw was forgetting that I was going to grow into something that is different from you mm-hmm. because we were raised differently. So I think that the number one thing that is, again, to quote you, flawed was that you raised me to be so independent that sometimes when you're like, let's go do things together because that's what you would have wanted as a kid, I'm like, nope, I'd like to be alone. And then, you know, so there's that. Well, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's your flaw was that you, like, you raised, I think it was just, you forgot, like, oh, yeah, they're not going to turn out exactly to be exactly like how I my am. My clingy self is still true and strong, for sure. <laughs> and I think that, yeah, that's, I mean, as close as we are, the one way we butt heads is that I am not clingy with no. you. No. <laughs> no, not even a little. So... You know, you and I listened to Glennon Doyle's more recent podcast, yep. and if you haven't listened to it, it's We Can Do Hard Things. It's amazing. And I've talked before about her book, Untamed, which for me, no book has spoken to me as much as that book. And when you and I listened to it, it she did a whole episode on quitting. And, you know, she's talking to her sister and she's talking to her wife, Abby, who is someone that you looked up to. I mean, I read Abby's book. Yeah, Uh, someone that you looked up to, you know, as a young soccer player and watching her uh, as a soccer player, you know, and so they were talking about the concept of quitting and Glennon prides herself in someone who, as she said, quits every day. Like, you know what? All right, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do what I need to do, but I'm looking forward to whatever time it is in today. Where I go, yep, that's it for today. Work is done. And now I'm going to do whatever I need to do. Relax, connect, blah, 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 blah. Cook dinner. Whatever it is that you want to do. You know, but she builds in a a quitting time every day. And Abby, being the athlete that she is, has such a different view of the word quitting. And they were talking about how quitting really comes from a Latin word whose root means to free yourself, to be free of something. To me, that sounds so much more positive. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like, God, he's such a quitter or quitters never win. Or I'm thinking of all of these things. But then, oh, to free yourself of something sounds liberating. And you being so, so much of an athlete, you kind of have that same spirit. So what's your thought on quitting? Well, I think that I kind of like constantly get slapped in the face by not quitting because I think about, I guess not exactly the same, but I think about how I I don't let myself rest. And I think that in a way quitting is doesn't have to be a huge quit. It can just be like, I'm quitting for the day. Like you were talking about Uh, she had said in her own podcast, Mm -hmm. but I think I have issues with it because I I feel like I need to go and work and do better and keep going and keep going. And it causes me, I remember last year or two years ago when I got massively sick for like Mm -hmm. three months because I just didn't quit and I didn't let myself rest. And I think more recently this- And you struggled to get better. And I, right. And I could not get better. And I mean, I, back when I was 13, 14, when I- I refused to quit and I had not let myself rest to the point where I had 
caused myself to have a massive knee injury and I, you know, needed two surgeries. And again, I struggled to get better. And then I refused to quit this past, you know, January, February of things that weren't athletic. It was more like mental things and like, I think just growing up things and then realizing like what's more or less important, you know, quitting those things, even as stupid as quitting, staying up until 11 at night. That's still something that you can quit. And I think... But you like you're using the word quit. I don't want to call it negatively, but like you're using it in a way that to me, it's oh no, I refuse to quit. Meaning like I won't give up. Yeah, you know. And I feel like you see it as a failure. Well, that's where I was going with that. Is that this this coming this past January? Sorry, I I realized after listening to that podcast with you, I was quitting things for the better, and therefore quitting is not bad. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that. And I think you don't realize it. And I, yeah. And well, that doesn't mean I haven't realized it, but I think as a whole, I think I forget constantly. But you know, and I, I say, year. I say it too. I say, I, I think quitting has a negative connotation too. You know, if you if you are in a position where you've been doing something for for years and years and years, and you've outgrown it, whatever it may be you decide that that career path that you chose 20 some odd years ago doesn't suit you anymore, doesn't fulfill you anymore, and you need to change direction. A lot of people get hung up on being viewed as, I don't want to say being viewed as a quitter, but you're walking away from however many years you've built into that marriage, into that career, into that fill in the blank. And how could you? How could you walk away from it? How could you give up on it? How could you not? You know, you throw in the towel and all of those connotations are so negative. And yet the root of the word is to free yourself. And God, that sounds like sign me up. (laughs) Well, when I listened to that podcast, I mean, obviously it's something I haven't experienced. I remember Grammy experiencing it. And I think that if somebody, the the easiest way to explain like that positive way that like quitting is, is Mm -hmm. like you're quitting smoking. That's a positive thing. Yeah. You know? You're quitting drinking. Uh, drinking. You're quitting an abusive relationship. Yeah. You're quitting something that was making you feel anything that isn't greater than. So, like I said, while I forget that, I think you 98% of the time remember as soon as you do quit. How would you describe a strong woman? I would say that a strong woman is, I would say independent is a pretty important part of that mm-hmm. because you've raised me and had me grow up in a way where I didn't need to rely on somebody. And I think that that causes you to rely on yourself. And I think relying on yourself causes you to be hard on yourself and um, expect a lot of yourself. And I think that that makes you into a strong human, you know, like if you're... I feel like that can have negatives too. Oh, well, 100%. But there's nothing in life that is not even a little bit perfect you know Mm -hmm. I think that everything has some positive and negative to it being a strong woman has some positives and negatives to it just because you're a strong woman doesn't mean you're promised anything that we still live in a world that isn't perfectly equal right in those ways I I in many ways right and so I think being that's why it's being a strong woman is different different to different people you know because I think of in our own family a couple of my family members are, let's say, a stay-at-home mom. That doesn't mean she's any less of a strong woman than 
one of my other family members who business on mm-hmm. the podcast, you know, runs track in college. I think strong woman is a phrase that can be placed on I more think- than just a whole person's life. It can be a moment too. I think oh, this might sound cliche and stupid, but I think that every woman is kind of a strong woman, but it's just what they do to portray that, if that makes sense. I think I think women all have it in them. I yes, think that's people what I think. all have it in them. I mean we're doing women saying women, but I think people all have it in them, but I think our experiences beat us down at times to where bad experiences, negative experiences, failures, which sounds so harsh, things that you wish you could have a redo on, mistakes that you've made, you know, I think those things weigh on us and make us hesitant to move forward with confidence. They they erode at our confidence. They erode at our nerve, well, willingness to put ourselves out there. When you said that, well, I forget the words that you used, but basically you were saying our experiences like beat down on us. Yeah. I think about when I was, I don't even know the age, but it was just you, Peyton, and I mm-hmm. living in a one-bedroom apartment where you cut up the living room with yeah. a curtain so that you had a bedroom yeah. and that we still had a living room. And you were basically raising us on your own, single mother, and I think you were pretty successful. And I think that you stressed yourself out in those days because you were like, I have to give them this amazing childhood. They have, like, they, all about they. Mm-hmm. And I look back, like, those are the best things I've ever experienced. <laughs> and I think that you were so focused on making us have a great childhood and not see the negatives that were going on around us and you were successful in that but I look at that as something that made me who I am for the positives and the negatives I think those experiences that beat down on us make us into a strong human we don't even need to say woman I think like I think about mentally who I am compared to other people in not necessarily a good or bad way but mentally and I guess you could say like emotionally I feel advanced. Like mm. I feel like experiences grow you. They do, and that's where I. But feel they can the also strength. break you, and that's the part where I, I worry about people broken, struggling. Just where you get broken is when you rebuild, and if you ever know about when you break a bone, it comes back stronger. I think that that's what happens when you feel broken. Yeah, you rebuild stronger, and then that's an emotional hurdle that you've gone over, and it's just another. You know, it's it's just another weight that you lifted towards being stronger, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what people forget. Like, just because you're broken, this might sound stupid, but, like, say something happens and it breaks you. Get excited because that means you're go- about to get, like, so much better, you know. It, it's hard, you know. Which sucks it's, to hear, but, like, it's, it's easy true. to say it when you're not in the moment. But, like, gosh, I think about, you know, broken hearts and coming in second or fifth or being told that your work wasn't good enough and they've chosen somebody else or, you know, no, sorry, you didn't get into this school or something like that. It's hard for people to shake those things off. And yet I am a firm believer in that those are the moments that you have to push through because there's a reason for everything, even if you can't see it in the moment. I remember this past track season. So Obviously, this isn't as deep as some other situations, but I remember there was a specific track meet where I was absolutely terrified to do that race. It was at, you know, mm-hmm. and to the point where I was 
shaking and crying and for a week like I, the stress that I'd put onto myself because I needed to be successful and I needed to make sure I won and I wasn't focused on the correct things because I was so putting so much pressure on yeah. myself but in the end I stressed myself out for I guess to be honest it probably helped push me but <laughs> we don't want to say that it, no you do end, it did it helped push you but I think you know, leading up to that moment, you had an entire week laden with anxiety because you built this level of of expectation in your head that you had to maintain. And I think that's the danger that, that so many of us fall into. You know, we're allowed to have weaker days. We're allowed to have bad days. We're allowed to have, uh, you know, a bad race. You just don't feel up to it. And I think that we put so much pressure on ourselves and people put pressure on us, expectations on us to do certain things. You know, I, I say it all the time for myself. I have responsibilities, therefore I can't on a whim go try some different thing or quit this thing that I is weighing me down because it brings me this benefit for my family, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and we do that to ourselves on so many levels. We do it in relationships. We do it in competition. We do it in career. We do it, you know, and I don't think it's anybody. Everybody does it. And it's a cycle that I would love to see end. And and I guess I'm still at 47 trying to figure out what is it that breaks that cycle? Is it confidence? Is it not giving a flipping F? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think about how you just said confidence in those situations. Um, I think I, as every person does, I guess you could say sometimes it's girls more so than guys, but lately, especially confidence has been not my strong point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think of during this past track season, my confidence was up and down, up and down and up and down. And I think that you're right. That confidence is kind of almost what breaks that pressure that you feel or it's pressure that builds or lack of confidence. Right. I think about there were races where I was like, I know they're those girls' times. I know how they run. I know my I'm gonna do great. This is gonna this is gonna go well. And that broke the pressure that put the stress onto me. I felt great and I did great. Whereas other races I didn't know or I knew how good those other girls were and that pressure killed my confidence. That's when I broke down. That's when I so I think that you're right that confidence is kinda something that can what what helps you paddle in the water that confidence is like I just think it's so interesting that you at 18 just starting out into your own life and me at 47 there's so many similarities and common feelings well this this is something there's there's no that's not a coincidence um my friend Julia and her mom always say this thing um, she even got it tattooed on her. <laughs> it's I am because you are. Yeah. So if you look at the similarities, I am because you are. What do you, you know? so for you right now, and I think this would be important for any moms, daughters, parents, whatever, who are listening, what are you most afraid of right now in your near future? And what are you most excited about? I would say I'm most afraid of not being comfortable and I don't mean in bed I mean comfortable in my own skin in a new place comfortable Mm -hmm. in 
my environment comfortable around the people I'm with. Um, and I think that with comfort comes safety and I'm afraid to not feel secure. Yeah. And that in those kinds of ways and comforted. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something I'm scared of. Um, but I'm then again, I'm excited to feel more comfortable than I've ever been. I think that the difference between high school and college is that high school you are placed with people that you're supposed to feel comfortable with. And in college, you get the choice to go somewhere with like-minded people that you're going to feel comfortable with naturally. And and go to a place where it's people from all over coming in, especially a bigger school like what what you're doing. I think that's exciting too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I had it to do all over again, oh, I would do things so differently. But... I would say for me, I am excited about this next chapter because as much as it's a new chapter for you, it's a new chapter for me too, you know, with everybody off to college and Mm -hmm. having, I don't want to say no one to take care of, but the day-to-day empty nest thing. I'm, I'm nervous about you settling in and everybody being okay. Certainly, I think that... That won't go away even when you're 60 and I'm 89. (laughs) I'll be wanting to make sure you're okay and safe and healthy and all the things, and your brother too. But, like, I think for me, I'm most afraid of having regrets. I already at this age have regrets that I didn't have, that I didn't stand up for myself more, that I didn't put my foot down and say no I'm following my choices. I'm following my dreams. I don't want to have regrets about my path. And so, but what I'm most excited about is these new journeys, this new level of confidence, this new pathway that in in starting for myself, now I'm able to bring it out and help others because I know if I feel this way, there's, you know, thousands of other people like me out there who are doing what they feel that they should as opposed to what you know they're called to or they're excited by or whatever well I think about something that you've taught me is that like there's a path that you're supposed to be on and it all happens you know for a reason sometimes it you don't really understand it until later on um but I think about what you're doing now this podcast you know what you're trying to build Mm -hmm. um who you are that is part of your path and I think that if you didn't walk down the path that you walked down you wouldn't be where you are now or who you are yeah I think of other things in your past that you and I have talked about that you're like why didn't I do that well you wouldn't be here well yeah you know and I think that like obviously that's so cliche but it's true you know like there's so many things I think about at in high school there's obviously not too many things to stress about I think of stupid things with my friends that are so important in the moment and that like ruin our lives like think about like a heartbreak right and then you two years later you're like if that didn't happen I wouldn't have had that emotional growth and this is part of that path and I learned this and I learned that so obviously like you know your life choices of wishing that you majored in something different in college Mm -hmm. are much bigger than that long term but you wouldn't be where you are now if you didn't go no that's true and I hope I guess one thing that I hear that I've realized and that I've heard my guests on this show talk about, you know, especially those that are parents is we think that we are hiding our fears and our ups and and protecting our children from our own weaknesses and neuroses and choices and such. 
And the truth is we really aren't. And I talked to someone a couple of, of days ago who said she was really going back and forth about her life choices and what will I do to my kids if I leave this position where I provide for the family and, and we have this lifestyle and this level of, of doing. What, what if I leave this and what am I going to be doing to my kids and is that really selfish? And when she left it and sort of blew up their life a little bit, Shortly thereafter, her one son thanked her and said, this is so much better. Like they had less money. They had to move to a smaller place to live. And yet he was telling her, this is so much better because you're happy, because we're enjoying ourselves, because things are more lighthearted. And in turn, her, he and her other kids, you could see a change in them, she said, because they realized you didn't just have to get some job mundane thing that paid the bills, that you could make choices that you enjoyed and provide for yourself and those that you care for. Mm -hmm. And so it really, she was leading by example without even realizing she was doing it, I guess, is yeah. the way to put it. Well, and that's the only thing that we hope to do, right, is, is we think we're fooling people and, and hiding and keeping a stiff upper lip and doing what we think is best, and yet you're not fooling anybody. And lo and behold, when you're true to yourself and your things that excite you and you make choices that show valuing yourself, you're modeling that for your kids too. In, and in choosing not to choose yourself and in staying in a spot where you're miserable and and it's not fulfilling, that teaches your kids too, not in a good way, I guess. Well, I think about, again, back to when I was younger, I think that you put so much stress on yourself, like I'm raising these two, mm -hmm. this is the situation, these are the hardships we're facing. I feel like you, you were so focused on blanketing those things and making sure that we were just happy. Mm -hmm. But I think about the, the things emotionally that Peyton and I both walked through. But I think about where we are now, and I similar to similarly to that kid you were just mentioning with his mother mm -hmm. or her mother. I and I think Peyton would do the same. Would thank you for those things because, like, I think about how, I guess my mindset now is the way it is because of those things, you right. know. And I think that, like, for that, I'm like thankful, you know. So you may have thought at the at that time, like, what am I causing these? kids by like going through these things at the time or this that the other thing and I was mm. just like thank god that I was able to experience this quote-unquote hardship or thank god our life got quote-unquote blown up here because yeah I my perspective is just the way it is now because of that and I think similarly to that there's people you meet in your life where their mindset like simple as that will wear off on you and you're like thank god I met you because mm -hmm. those are things that you grow from as well not so serious as you know, changing a job or anything. Right. But those things wear on you and you're just thankful for the experience. So looking at, we've been talking for a while here and certainly we'll do this again on, on other topics. What, what one thing would you say to people that are listening either to parents or people your age that might be listening to this? I think the number one thing that I think you and I both learned in our relationship, it's something that people can use in their own life in parenting is the value of being understanding mm. it doesn't mean you have to be selfless it doesn't mean you have to be selfish it just means you have to be understanding because understanding somebody else 
kind of lets you walk in their shoes for a minute, lets you understand them, and then you can go from there. I think that it's that goes for many things. Parents understanding their kid's situation, kids understanding their parents' view. Um, in your scenario, let's uh, understanding why your parents wanted you to go into education. Um, for me, understanding why you might not let me hang out with my friend at 2 a.m. Like, mm-hmm. something stupid. But, like, underst- there, then there's more important things, like understanding why somebody called you a name you didn't like. Mm. Why did they, you know? I think that just takes you really far, and I think that you taught me that. Okay. And I think that that's something that's really important, and I think a lot of people can use that. Understanding that quitting isn't a bad thing. Understanding that. Ah, see that? You knew where I was going. I was going to say final, <laughs> final word on quitting. Good thing or bad thing? Yes. <laughs> That was a cheap cop-out answer, if I ever heard one. Well, I'm a college kid. I'm not yeah. I, I can't afford expensive things right now, so the cheap <laughs> is the answer. But I think quitting is a good and bad thing. All right. I think it depends on what you're quitting, right? Yeah. All right. In the end, it can be good. All right. Well, listen, I we're going to do more of these. I hope that if you were listening to this whole thing that you found it a little bit insightful, maybe you found a little bit of it that you could identify with or connect with as a parent, as a person. As a female, if if that's who you are. As an 18-year-old. As an 18-year-old, as a 47-year-old. <laughs> um, we will do this again for sure. It will be long distance because she will be at her university. And I will be here crying in my cupcakes wishing that she was No, I won't. Um, <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> maybe for a few days. Um, Kels, thanks for doing this with me. And I hope, I hope that everybody found it insightful. Thanks.